Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. We're rolling in through the last week of March now. Spring ball well underway for Penn State. Practice number three coming up on Saturday. A big recruiting day here on campus coming up on Saturday. We'll talk about that. Let's discuss the pro day results that took place on Thursday. All 32 NFL franchises sent some kind of a representative ranging from head coach to scouts, a two-state college on Thursday to watch uh, a dozen-plus Penn State players uh, put on a show. In one case, it was a former walk-on who turned the most heads. Uh, we got some former All-Big Ten players to discuss as well with their draft stock. But, Sean, we begin in the transfer portal because last episode, one of the topics of discussion that we left off on was the status of the twin North Texas transfer tandem, Gabriel and Grayson Murphy. Were, were they heading to UCLA? Was Penn State going to make a late move here? What say you as we get to the end of the week now? Well, it was some fun drama while it lasted, but it sounds like they're going to end up at UCLA. The, the spring quarter opened up on Wednesday. Their classes start on Monday. We expect them to, to enroll. Um, there was one of those ones where the, the UCLA staff was kind of sitting on pins and needles waiting for this one to happen. But as happens in the transfer portal nowadays, you've got many things, many moving pieces, including NIL, which is something that we're going to talk about here in a second with Penn State. Um, but uh, that's that's a part where I think that, you know, you look at what they brought in last year compared to what they brought in this year, and that's an added dynamic that we really didn't uh, take into account. So Penn State limited on the transfer front this year, going to lose that on the Murphy Twins uh, to UCLA, and it's kind of it's, uh, starting over. Um, you, you look at what's out there. There's not a ton out there, but you expect a wave after spring ball. Is that wave going to be featuring players that are good enough to play at Penn State? I don't know. How will Penn State feel about its own roster is another dynamic you have to throw into here. We know that they're short on numbers um, at uh, at linebacker. We know that they're short on numbers on the offensive line, but where does that stand coming out of it? I think those are some some things that we'll have to think about over the next couple of weeks and, and potentially months uh, on, on the good side. Hunter Norzad is coming in uh, this weekend for just an unofficial visit to check things out, and he was a very big pickup for Penn State in the transfer portal. Of course, Mitchell Tinsley on campus already, but so far, uh, or so far this month, it, it's kind of stalled. Uh, you you hoped, you know, just getting the Murphy twins on campus the week before they were supposed to go to UCLA, you might be able to to entice them and throw in a switch here. But uh, there are a couple things at play here that uh, did not work out in Penn State's favor. Yeah, at pro day on Thursday, just just after the testing and stuff, I had a chance to go speak with a few of those guys who transferred in last year. It was Eric Wilson, offensive guard, Arnold Abicati, a, a defensive end, and of course, Derek Tangelo, a, a defensive tackle. And Thinking about that yesterday a little bit, 35 combined starts for those three players and for Penn State last year and how important each of them were, regardless of how you think they individually performed. They played a lot of football for the Nittany Lions last season. 
And then I thought about what is on the field right now for this team going through spring ball and spring practice. And it's just one guy. It's Mitchell Tinsley coming in after a fantastic season, of course, with a potent passing game with Western Kentucky. But no additions on the defensive side of the football with a new defensive coordinator there. And um, that is one thing that that hasn't matched expectations for this offseason. Certainly it hasn't been for lack of trying in some instances. We continue to talk about the perimeter of the offensive line, some of the tackles out there, who else might surface as spring camps come to a close it's going to be important to see because I, really I think that the time has told us once you get through that opening stage of May, you pretty much know who's coming in and 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 what's feasible for August. Oh, absolutely. And you're kind of limiting yourself to Norzad at this point. And, you know, hopefully you can find a linebacker. I mean, it's just it, it to me waiting till the end. And that's and I say waiting till the end. I, I think it's kind of just uh, that's a that's a bad way to put it because it makes it seem like Penn State's just been sort of hanging around and hanging around and waiting for the right guy to enter. And they have to some extent, but you, you're going to put yourself in a bad situation by waiting for a guy that goes through spring practice or that goes through um, and is trying to 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 do what an Ebikiti did last year improve his status for as a potential NFL prospect or something like that. I think you're just playing a numbers game this at this at that point. And it's it's probably not going to come out in your favor. And and when that guy does or if that guy does go into the transfer portal, everybody else is circling as well. So you get you better have some stuff prepared. You better have um your ability to go in and sell not only elevating their profile, but also figuring out what you can do in this modern age of college football. And um, you know, I think Penn State took a step forward this week and uh in getting into the NIL game, it's it's a spot. I mean, if you look at the the Murphy twin situation, there are certain places in which this program was hamstrung and NIL was a big part of it. I know that there was some admission stuff that did not go as smoothly as they had hoped. So there are a couple of things that maybe a situation like this exposes that, that, that Penn state is playing catch up and, and the, uh, the success with honor NIL that came out this week, I think that's their best shot. You know, you look at the names involved in that, not only with the, the, the backing of, you know, Ira Lubert and, and, and folks like that, but also getting, Pro, uh, prominent former athletes like uh, LeVar Arrington and uh, uh, you know there's you just go down the list and it's it's a really good group a really good group for exposure and I think that's really what uh, what they need to get in gear because I think the majority of Penn State fans and certainly if you're listening to this podcast if you're taking the time to spend your extra time uh, seeking out information like this podcast, this probably doesn't affect you. But most Penn State fans, even even a lot of them that show up on Saturdays at Beaver Stadium, aren't going to understand what's going on in this game. So uh, it, it, it's a really, really big step forward. And as they continue to get uh, to 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 establish themselves in the NIL market as a collective, then I think that will certainly help. But Penn State's playing some big time catch up right now. Yeah, Mark Brennan uh, wrote a story up on lines247.com earlier in the week. He he did get um, a bit of a commentary from LeVar Arrington, who, who is part of this collaborative effort, um, just on on the growth that is necessary for the institution. If, if you listen to this show pretty consistently, um, you know, Brandon Short, former uh, All-American here at Penn State, he had a lot of strong things to say. He's an influential member of this community. Uh, clearly, he was on board in making sure that Penn State it doesn't have to get in a situation where they dig themselves too deep of a hole Big Ten Conference alone, much less the Power Five landscape, things are moving at such a rapid pace. And you're hearing guys make decisions coming out of the transfer portal about this uh, with NL NIL on their mind. And I mean, with more prevalence, you're hearing about it at the high school level, especially some of the marquee names out there. NIL is, is on the table as part of that topic of discussion. When it didn't exist there on that table, at least uh, at least in the light just a few years ago. 
Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, NIL and NLI, the National Letter of Intent, being right yeah. beside each other, I, I know that just almost tripped you up. I know it's gotten me uh, a few yeah. times as well, but that's ridiculous. But um, yeah, that's that's a spot where you it, it, it's interesting because they've established this collective, they've established a plan going forward, um, and it, and it's very important to note that the school can't do any of this. This does not come from Sandy Barber, James Franklin, anybody in that athletic administration. You have to work sort of hand in hand with that, and that's 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 a really tough thing for people to understand that you. Just just can't throw money at players from the program or ticket sales or um, you know merchandising rights or anything like that. It's it's all got to go through something else, and that's that's the tough part for people to understand. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's a new landscape. It's it's a new frontier, and several schools have jumped headfirst into it. Penn State was not one of them, and like I said, it, it's remarkable that Penn State has done as well as they've done um, recruiting wise, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, you look at what happened this week, and and uh, with Tennessee. That's the rumored, uh, you know, destination for a big time quarter five star quarterback Nico out of California. And you can bet there's a lot of of dollars involved there, a lot of uh, future dollars involved there. So um, that's for Penn State to lock up the number one quarterback in the last cycle without having any sort of particular plan in place. It's it. Damn right, it's downright <laughs> remarkable. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just uh, to, to process that is is something. So, um, so yeah, they've got to they got to play catch up, and and it's interesting because all these schools are are going full speed ahead, and and you can get to try and play catch up, but uh, that's a that's a long that's a long trail to uh, to forge here. I, th- I think it must have been refreshing for some of our listeners out there when they heard uh, Drew Aller w- on with us and you asked him, you know, where's your head at with all this? Are you going to try to jump at, at opportunities? We were talking about Quinn Ewers, and he was like. You know, it's kind of not really I just want to get to campus and start working out and watch film and see what it's like as a college kid. And then I'll figure it out from there. I mean, maybe is he costing himself some money in the is he costing (laughs) himself some money in the short term, perhaps? But yeah, Drew Drew didn't show up to campus, uh, you know, doing the uh, product placement, uh, Wayne's World uh, all over with uh, with drinks and 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 what he's wearing. But, hey, throw throw a few touchdown passes and people could be beaten down your door. And that's where the allure of, of playing on a program like Penn State, we heard it yesterday, when they have a pro day, 32 NFL franchises show up. You want Penn State to make sure that they're in that upper echelon of NIL opportunities. And as you have documented quite a bit here on the podcast, that is something that with James Franklin signing a 10-year contract extension was obviously part of the forefront of his vision for the future. Yeah, and they're going to switch some some people around and in the office and try and figure out and make this more of a priority. Not that it's not a priority, but it wasn't something you spent time on because you worked in an office. I mean, it, there's nothing that when you when it's not part of the rule book, it's, there's really nothing you can do about it. Now there's something you can do about it, so they're working through that. And going back to your point about Drew is it's about finding the right kids. Absolutely. But I think that pool of finding the right kids, when they see a guy that's on their similar, you know, plateau of, of quarterbacks or whatever position they're at getting paid, they're going to look and say, why aren't, why aren't I getting a piece of that? So that pool is going to shrink mightily over the next couple of years. And you go from finding the right guy to finding the guy that, that you can make the most out of. And that's uh that's a tough, uh, that's a tough way to go about it. So we'll see what happens. Um, and, and, that's kind of the way with a lot of things. I mean, you look at, uh, this is not NIL related, but you look at what happens if Zane Durant is a, is a senior this year. And you've got a situation where you've got Miami with a new coach, you've got Florida with a new coach that changes things. So it's kind of like uh, on that parallel where, where you're trying to figure out the right timing for the right prospects. Um, but you're going to find out that that probably doesn't align as much as you, as you had hoped. 
you can go down a long path with this kind of a conversation and, and plenty of people have in college football will continue to monitor it and see how Penn State reacts uh, and evolves and adjusts. It's going to play a huge role in the transfer portal in recruiting in program development. So get used to that. Um, just in case you missed it earlier this uh, week, we covered it uh, with a pretty long episode. Uh, the opening of spring practice, there was some media coverage on Monday on campus. Uh, James Franklin spoke with us. We were out on the practice field for about 20 minutes. A lot of coverage on lines247.com, but uh, if you missed that last podcast, uh, we kind of got into full gear with spring ball. We'll talk about that a lot more next week. But this week, Pro Day was in the spotlight, Sean. And, uh, you know, there are several players right now for Penn State that could go in the first couple of days, maybe multiple in round one. But it was a former walk-on who stole the spotlight on Thursday. Hello, Drew Hartlob, a 4-2-2 in the 40-yard dash. You know I'm smiling. He's a special oh, teams yeah. ace. I love watching Drew Hartlob play the last couple of years. Um, touch base with him a couple of weeks ago to see if maybe he was going to take another year and go somewhere else and maybe uh, finish out his career. But now he's going to give it a go as a pro. It's it's going to be tough. He's 5'11", 170. I mean, you, you look at uh, what uh, what Dan Chisena did a couple of years ago where he ran a really fast time as well and obviously has the, the track background. Dan Chisena is like 6'2", 6'3". So that, yeah. th that changes some things for him. Drew was of course, a reserve uh, safety, but was tremendous as a gunner. Um, I remember watching Drew as a freshman or after his freshman year um, at Dallastown coming up to, uh, or excuse me, Southwestern. I apologize. Uh, somebody's going to get mad at me for that, but at Southwestern uh, coming up to camp and just uh, doing a broad jump over 10 foot. I was like, where is this kid coming from? Um, and it was uh, awesome to see. But that athleticism has always been there. He had the 10 9 broad, uh, the 4 2 2 40, the 4 15 shuttle, and the 6 7 5 um, L drill. He said he was on the radar of uh, of a couple of teams, and uh, you know that's I, I don't want to sound so surprised when I say that, but this is a guy that really hasn't played a, aside from special teams. But that's the way he's going to make his money if he's going to find his way into a camp or something like that. I think it'd be awesome. I, I I'd take a chance on him because you don't have that kind of speed floating around. What do you do with him? Do you stash him away as a fifth receiver? I don't know how that's going to work, but the kids earned a shot, and it's it's awesome to see. He did say he had a little bit of regret yesterday, if you can imagine it, just because he felt like he, he wanted to get some work in with the wide receiver drills that didn't happen. Um, safety was not where he was involved for Penn State. It was on the special teams coverage. Showed that fearlessness, of course, combined with his speed to do what he did as a gunner. I think my favorite part about his 40-yard dash time was just the complete lack of surprise when it was brought up to any one of his teammates. Like I, I think a lot of us in the media were were running to these guys, whether it's Arnold Ebekete or Jesse Lucetta, and saying, "Did you see what Drew did in the forty? And they're like, "Yeah, duh. Like this is what the guy does. He's a freak. We've we've all known this." Um, a lot of respect for him and a really cool story that emerged. Obviously, Sean and, and you know we'll see if it works out for him. And but. Uh, like you said, there's a discrepancy there in the size between him and Chisena. I know there's a lot of connections and lines to be drawn there. And they got they got to replace this guy. And you had A.J. Lighten out there last year. So that gunner role is interesting. I'll just pass along something that Drew gave us, a few names. He said Daquan Hardy. Um, he had mentioned also Malik Mega, which is pretty fascinating to think about him roaming down the field as a gunner. Uh, he kind of could have been confused for an edge rusher when I saw Malik Mega on the field yesterday, uh, wide receiver for Penn State. Big dude, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So speaking of wide receivers, of course, Jahan Dotson in the spotlight, uh, in contention to be the first Nittany Lion off the board, in contention to be the first round one wide receiver from the Nittany Lions since 2003. 
things went pretty well for him yesterday. I, th I think that's probably understating it out there. It didn't drop a pass, looked smooth as ever in and out of his routes. It was Sean Clifford out there playing pitch and catch with him uh, one more time in Huluva Hall. And, and I think Jahan Dotson was content to, to you know let his 40-yard dash uh, hold up from the from the scouting combine. He wasn't out there running. Um, uh, it wasn't a lot of these guys weren't trying to, to top what they did at the combine. So it wasn't a fully active day for Dotson, but I thought during the position drills, did everything that he could have been asked from for, from an NFL coaching perspective. And you know, he was out there under the scrutiny pretty closely of, of assistant from the Ravens and assistant from the Patriots, but he's getting a lot of looks from a lot of teams right now. And I think what I love about things trending for Jahan Dotson is because it's shaping up you know, near the end of round one. And the teams that are there, you, if you put a Jahan Dotson on a Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers or on the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes or on the Bills with Josh Allen, I just love the way this could line up for him. And the Patriots could be in play. They need a target for Mac Jones. So I just think this is going to end well for Jahan Dotson. And, and of course, now he's going to go at the top of round two to a crappy franchise with a bad quarterback. Wink, wink to you, Sean. But we'll see what happens for him. I just I think he lands round one. I think he lands with a successful franchise. Ouch. That was that was pointed. Um, you're right about them, but that doesn't <laughs> yes. mean you have to say it. Um, but yeah, you're you're building up at the end of round one for receivers to make a run, and I think that's a good thing. And that's also good for the the trade uh, the trade value there at the end of round one or at the beginning of round two as well. And it's also funny to say after the last twenty years that we're talking about great landing spots with Green Bay, Kansas City, and Buffalo, and then we throw in the Patriots as the uh, the team that that he could slum to and and eventually uh, lined up or end up with. So I think that's interesting. But yeah, I mean. I, I, I have no problem sitting on his athletic numbers. We wanted to see him run again uh, after posting that four four three and knowing that that he ran a four three three last uh, last winter in the same uh, the, the same uh, facility. But I mean, I think he's he's athletic enough and he's shown that. And I think it was the ball drills, the the, the roots, and everything that they were asking him to do is what they wanted to come out and see. And I don't think he disappointed. And uh, I, I mean, I would hang my hat on any of those athletic numbers and and the tape. I mean. You've seen the tape of Jahan Dotson. I know he's not the biggest guy out there, but he just goes out there and does so many things well in the football field. And and really, that's what you – I think you you know what you're getting in Jahan Dotson, and I say that in the absolute best way possible. And he puts himself out there again yesterday. He, he told us last year in Indianapolis he felt like he was the best wide receiver in college football. Uh, yesterday he said he felt like he's the best wide receiver in this upcoming draft. It is a crowded group. He's being slotted often somewhere between the fourth, fifth, sixth player off the board at that position. But there could be five, six, seven guys going in round one at wide receiver the way things may shape up. Um, by the way, Sean, I'll say this very quietly. A little bit of buzz about Sean Clifford and his throwing yesterday. Just a little bit of buzz. Just a little All bit. right. I'll take your All word right. for it. You, you saw him throwing it around. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Hopefully he's fresh. Hopefully he's healthy. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens this spring. Jaquan Brisker, it was good to see him back out there. And it certainly sounded like he was feeling refreshed after what you know, he admitted was an underwhelming uh, experience for him in Indianapolis because he had some back tightness uh, pop up during bench press at the scouting combine. Couldn't get out there for positional drills. He was limited in the other testing. Came out here, and, and by the way, he did continue to test in Indianapolis, kind of fighting through some of that pain and discomfort. Uh, went out there and improved upon his 40-yard dash time by six-tenths of a second, uh, going from 4.49 down to 4.43. He felt like he was going to get below 4.4. He feels like he should be in that range. So uh, maybe, maybe he's not even all the way back yet, but four inches added to that vertical jump from 34.5 to 38.5. I know he was proud of that yesterday, 
But really what he got to do is go out and show some of that fluidity, um, go out and run position work. And, and he's being discussed and, and kind of debated, I think, right now internally in some of these NFL front offices. Is he a guy that's strictly a safety? Is he a guy that you can slide as a cornerback and you play him in nickel coverage? He said six positions on the table right now in these conversations with NFL franchises. He feels confident in saying he can do all those jobs. And, you know, Steelers, Eagles, a couple of teams he said multiple uh, multiple dialogues with. But, again, a, a guy that you could keep an eye on there late in the first round, early in the second round, kind of on that fringe. Yeah, you put up the numbers 443, uh, 38.5-inch vertical. Of course, the, the 419 shuttle is the, the attention getter for me. The shuttle uh, – typically undervalued. We love the 40. We love to see how fast these guys can run in a straight line, but the, the shuttle is, is where you show it. Um, and that's where, uh, that's where these guys, some of these guys to Castro fields with a 406 shuttle uh, yesterday. That's where these guys can, can make some money. So uh, I thought it was interesting yesterday. Mike McCarthy, uh, Mike McCarthy of, of the Cowboys, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys showing up. Uh, they had decent success last year with a Penn state guy out of the first round. Yeah, a little got- bit. Brisker, Castro Fields, Evakiti, um, you know, is a guy is a guy that can rush the any team needs a guy that can rush the passer. Uh, and then you got a guy like Brandon Smith. Uh, you know, I think that's very interesting for the Cowboys to send that sort of uh clout uh with their franchise or from their franchise to check out prospects. You know, you got Micah down there and they they liked how that turned out, and maybe you surround them with some of those other Penn State guys. Jesse Lucchetta, not surprising, said Micah is making a push with Jerry Jones, a personal plea to, to bring Lucchetta on board with the Dallas Cowboys. Those I'll two let you close have that one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, you make a great point. You, you send your defensive coordinator and head coach, and you got a lot of defensive players out there that could be intriguing to this team that needs young, affordable talent down in Dallas. And we'll, we'll find out. Arnold Ebicade and Jesse Lucchetta, when they were just kind of, uh, you know, working their way through drills and, and doing some time, downtime, Dan Quinn was sitting alongside them for a while, and, and there was a pretty long chat there. Jesse Lucchetta acknowledged a really good conversation with the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. You had the Eagles defensive coordinator there as well. And to me, Arnold Ebikede went out. You know, he wanted to see him run the 40-yard dash. That's not something that he did in Indianapolis. Um, he did that on Thursday, went out, ran a 4.65 at, at just shy of six foot three, 250 pounds. Um, he let the vertical stand, let the broad jump stand from Indianapolis. Those were high performance numbers, 38-inch vertical, uh, a 10-8 broad. But the one that I texted to you and Mark last night, that, that when we got these official results, stood out to me, that three-cone drill, a 6.95, that, that's showing something right there. Yeah, and Jahan, for reference, Jahan Dotson ran a seven two eight out in India at the right. three cone. I know it's probably a little bit different, um, but yeah, two tenths of a second behind Drew Drew Hartlob in the three cone. That's pretty good for a guy that uh, measured in just shy of 6'3", 247. So Arnold is a guy, I, I know teams are probably going to knock him for his size, but uh, he's a guy that the production is undeniable. Uh, the tape's great, and he's and he's testing out. He continues, every time he tests, he continues to improve his numbers. So you like what's uh, what's coming out of there. And, and like we say, everybody needs somebody that can rush the passer. And, and Ebikiti is a guy that's very intriguing. It's just, it's so crazy to think about what well, you got four guys there in the end of round one or the beginning of round two, the guys that can pop up and, and, and potentially be big time players. And, and I think that's really cool. I mean, you'd like to get as many guys in round one as possible, but just to be in that window is, is pretty awesome. We'll be right back on the Lions 24 seven podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I said this before. It's like a fun part of the draft is when you hit that reset button and you get ready for Friday and then you kind of see that new big board. You could see like four Penn State players in that top 10 when you get up on Friday morning and start to get psyched up for rounds two and three. Of course, some of these Nittany Lions hope that they already have a home by the end of Thursday night. Um, you know, you could see an Odafe away situation, I think, maybe for Arnold Ebercade, uh, where, where you go late. And, and maybe it's not necessarily a team that has a glaring need, but it's it could be that kind of luxury pick. You look at what edge rushers are being paid right now uh, at a really premium price. The ability to get a guy at the tail end of round one Maybe something worth sniffing out of trade because you've got him under your control for a four-year span, where you know that it's going to be a pretty controlled salary. Yeah, uh, I mean it's 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 a bargain basically at that point. And you look at teams like the Titans, and they've done that before, and it's it's a really good uh, opportunity for Evakiti to be. You know, you don't have to be the thirtieth pick; you can be the thirty-eighth pick or something like that, and still be tremendous value. Um, it's time to since the draft is uh, you know in a month and a what, five weeks or so. Um, yeah. you've got uh, we, we've got to get on this one. The Nick Bowers Award for a guy that's uh, that I think will be drafted that nobody else thinks will be drafted. <laughs> Derek Tangelo, I'm going to keep beating this one uh, just shy of 6'2", 296, 21 reps on the bench, which I thought would, might be a little bit higher, but a 31-inch vert, a thirty or a 9'5 broad jump, and a 4'8", 940, pretty explosive for a big guy, and I know this is a guy that you talk to people in the building at Lash, they love him, and they also think he's a good good enough football player to be drafted and and for somebody to to use a camp spot on, maybe a practice squad guy at start at the start. But Derek Tangelo, man, um, I, I don't know that he's a big winner of Pro Day, but he's a guy that's I think certainly probably got some people's attention uh, on Wednesday or Thursday. Excuse me. Yeah, Tangelo was one of two guys that, that you could just tell looking at them before we got the official measurements that they had slimmed down a bit since we saw them in an Indy Lions uniform. The other was Ellis Brooks. Um, he's down to 226 pounds. I believe his playing weight last year was 240 plus. Um, and, and he talked a little bit. He opened up a bit about what happened last year. Said coming out of that Indiana game, had the thumb issue, spent the rest of, of the season uh, with that cast on there. He actually said be, because he was dealing with that, it forced him to, be, to become a better fundamental football player um, because of what he was dealing with with that cast. Um, 100 tackles, led the team last year. He didn't play in that Outback Bowl matchup, 
4.7740 yard dash. That, that's not going to win over a, a bunch of NFL scouts, but he's a guy that I thought moved pretty well out in the position drills. Um, I think he's also somebody that that earned a lot of respect during his time here with the Penn State locker room, and, um, and we got a lot of positive feedback from from these guys coming out of uh, you know, of the event, um, just in terms of what the future looks like. And I thought it was really interesting to hear Ellis Brooks talk a little bit as well about Kobe King and Tyler Elsden. Um, he's kind of really excited to see that one. Jesse Lucetta mentioned that as well. Uh, but but you know, things move on for Penn State. But Ellis Brooks is a guy that uh, I'm going to be curious to see because I feel like he could find a fit. Um, and it's it may require him to bounce off the roster, bounce back on the roster. Um, but for a guy that going into his senior year, um, I wasn't quite there with him, even though we saw – some projections of, of, of him going round one last year, I, I think we did. But uh, I don't know. Ellis Brooks is a guy that I think comes away yesterday uh, in a better spot than, than he entered. And that was important because he didn't have the scouting combine. And, and yeah. he was probably – he was the biggest snub. If you're going to say it was a snub, he was because he was productive, 100 tackles in the regular season as the starting middle linebacker for Penn State, and he was left out of Indianapolis. So I, I thought overall positive Thursday for the linebacker. You're already throwing dirt on my Tangelo thing with the biggest snub here. But uh, no, Brooks Brooks was the – I mean, the question there is athleticism. Obviously, you know, playing mm -hmm. at Mike, you're not going to be a two exposed that. But a 33.5 vert, good uh, pro shuttle at 4.31, uh, that'll work. And the same three-cone time as, as Jahan Dotson, which, by the way, is really interesting because Dotson has always been known as a quick more than fast guy. And his three-cone, not very good, did not run the shuttle um out yeah. in uh out in indy so maybe he's just completely flipped that on his head i don't know but uh yeah brooks is a guy that that showed a little bit more athleticism maybe not than, than we expected but you know the scouts need to see he's going to have to be based on his tape based on the way that he's played the last couple of years he's going to have to show more athleticism than he did on the field and that's probably not fair to him to say it like that but i think that's what scouts have to look for on the flip side, at linebacker, athleticism, never been an issue for Brandon Smith. Apparently yesterday his cleats were a bit of an issue. Uh, some sloppiness there. Um, he, he talked about the, the just not being able to get that grip. And, and you saw him even during warm-ups kind of sliding around like he was on skates at certain points. That wasn't the prettiest situation to pop up during his positional drill work. But, again, he goes out here uh, puts together a, a 6.94 in the three-cone, a 4.08 in the shuttle. He already had that 4.52 that he let stand from the combine. Coming out of the combine, Sean, in a lot of these athletic testing drills, he was top five among linebacker peers out in Indianapolis. He was able to build upon some of those results on Thursday. And I think it's going to come down to the question for uh, these NFL talent evalu evaluators. And there's guys like this on every roster across college football looking to make the leap to the league. But what are you measuring versus what you see now versus what you think you can do with somebody in a two-year span to validate picking him perhaps on day two? That's going to be the question. I'm curious if he's tantalizing enough because, again, you stand eye-to-eye -eye with a lot of these guys afterward – no one is more physically impressive, and there's a lot of guys who are impressive, but no one is more physically impressive than Brennan Smith. Yeah, he's a presence, no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. The, the, the film is going to be over it like a cloud just hovering over him. But uh, the athleticism, man, just continues to pile up. I mean, the, the numbers that he put up in Indy, the 4.52, the 10.8 broad, uh, to complement that with a 4.08 shuttle, somebody's going to fall in love with this guy. I keep saying yeah. it over and over. And that's pretty much been the the scouting report uh, from us is, is, yes, the tape is not as good as you would like it to be. But the, those athletic numbers, it just takes one. And, and it'll be interesting to see because you you get these anonymous scouts popping up at this point and people are going to 
trash him. Like I, I think people are going to come out and say that his tape sucks and, you know, he does not move like a linebacker, does not play like a linebacker, things like that. But I think somebody's just going to, I think there's going to be probably more misdirection and, and things with Brandon Smith than anybody else in this Penn state uh, recruiting or not recruiting class, this Penn state draft class. I think quietly Castro Fields, three Castro Fields has built himself a nice draft resume over the last couple of months. Obviously played a ton of football for Penn State, not as much as he would have liked his last couple of years on campus. But he was interesting. He, he talked about wishing he had made a few more plays in the open field, but he was really, really confident and proud of the pass coverage that he put on film last year. And I think that's the feedback he's gotten from a lot of NFL uh, this dialogue and and. and you know, he, he really, really held firm with that yesterday and, and saying not necessarily that he felt underappreciated at Penn State, but there was a sense that that maybe he felt like because he wasn't getting thrown at and he wasn't uh, you know recording stats that maybe some of the elements of his game weren't necessarily spotlighted the way they could have been uh, now. It's going to be up to what the NFL scouts to see uh, see and, and where they select him to to kind of confirm where Castro Fields' head is. But he's put up good numbers. He had a 4.38 out in Indy. Of course, there's a lot of speedy cornerbacks, but he held up well among you know the, the top tier of that group out in Indy. A 4.06 shuttle uh, yes, uh, yesterday, a 7.05 cone. Uh, that's solid. And, and then I, I just think the 37-inch vertical stands out to me. He showed some of that explosiveness. He got up there uh, and, and a guy that, Played a ton of football for Penn State, but going into this process, you, 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 if you ask the average fan to name six draft prospects from the Nittany Lions, I don't know if they'd list Castro Fields. A little bit out of sight, out of mind for some reason with this process. Tyler, I have no idea, no idea where Terry Castro Fields is going to go in this draft. <laughs> I mean, you can make an argument for third round. You can make it for seventh round. I mean, I, I think he's going to get drafted. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's tough. And we talked about that last fall when Penn State was playing really well and that secondary was playing really really well. You had a situation where he would get, you know, he'd, he'd fall down on a double move or something like that. And the secondary was so good. He was the perceived weak link, even though there really wasn't a weak link in that secondary. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what the football people come away with his tape. And, and you're right. He did have some things and he admitted some things that, you know, it could have been more physical. He had some times that he got turned around. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you, you look at some of the guys that have been drafted over the years and there, there are questions and, and bigger questions than, than you had with Drew Castro field. So I have no idea where this one's going to play out. I haven't really seen any seven round mocks or anything like that to know where he would fall. Um, but I think he's going to be a guy that, that does hear his name called and he certainly the, checks all the athletic boxes. It's just a matter of figuring out where he can where he can fit. Just a couple more a couple more names to get to, one of which we had on the show not too long ago. Jesse Lucchetta had a lot of momentum going to Indianapolis. Unfortunately, he was hobbled up in the 40-yard dash out there. He stuck with the 489 40-yard dash from the combine. Um, I don't know if that reflects kind of where his health status was going into Thursday, but he was a relatively full participant. 36 and a half inch vertical, uh, a 10, the 10 flat broad, a 427 shuttle, uh, six foot three pushing 260 pounds. I think we're, we're certainly seeing that that all in mentality with defensive end right now. And, and I think that's where his fit's going to be at the next level. Um, but he's another guy that, you know, how much does, does what Jesse brings to you off the field in some of these uh, meetings that he's in play into that conversation? Uh, NFL is a lot about athleticism and, 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 and nice guys are great, but they're going to value a lot of the athletic testing. That's not on Jesse Lucetta's side. We didn't necessarily think it would be. 
But you know, I'm curious to see where his draft stock is a month from now because he got off to a hot start with this process. And then because of what happened in Indianapolis, how that played out, you know, it could put a damper on that progress a little bit. Yeah, hurt the hamstring in Indy, and then he had that four eight nine, which we were ballparking him in the high four six, maybe right around four seven. So that's not uh, that's going to hover over him as well. I mean, th- that was your big question was the straight line speed, and he did not answer that question. It's going to be tough for him to to overcome that. So maybe this is a situation where he slips a little bit. Um, the tape's good. I mean, he, he's another guy that can get to the quarterback and give you positional flexibility, which is invaluable at that level. But uh, there's going to be some questions about whether or not he's athletic enough and fast enough to hang in that league. Uh, a couple more guys to get there, one of which did not work out, uh, Rashid Walker, Sean. Um, and we certainly hope that he's going to be back on a, a field and a full participant, but we didn't see that on Thursday. We didn't see that when he was out in Indianapolis for the Combine. He's having discussions with NFL decision makers, but right now he's not doing anything on the football field. And a big part of what we said maybe Rashid Walker could overcome the way his career ended on the football field was to dazzle a bit with some of that athleticism. It was part of why he was uh, you know, a top 100 range recruit coming out. Thought maybe he could do some things in a combine setting. He's not going to have that chance. Maybe in a private setting moving forward, if he's healthy and cleared to do that. Uh, but yesterday he was in sweatpants and uh, an observer, unfortunately. Yeah. And just a reminder, he missed the last couple of games with an injury and did not work out an indie because of that injury. He also didn't speak to the media. So we don't have an insight on yeah, like where he's at in his recovery, why he didn't work out, whether it was a choice to not work out, whether he's not cleared, anything like that. So I, I don't I hesitate to talk about whether he worked out or not or how he, you know, or what choices he made because we don't have all the information there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a situation where he's he had an opportunity to to help himself, and, and did he maximize that with interviews and things like that? We don't, we just don't know. So that is a big question mark, and it's another one of those guys that has a wide range because you know the talent's there, you know that there's a lot going for him, but at the same time, you you add injury questions into that, and then all of a sudden that changes some things. So I don't know what's going to happen with Walker. I don't know what's going to happen with Eric Wilson. You got a chance to speak with Eric Wilson. He was on the podcast last year before he joined the team at Penn State. Obviously effusive guy, great, uh, great attitude and everything like that. Uh, you know, not the most physically imposing, not the most athletic guy out there, but, uh, you know, he's, he's certainly fun to talk to. We'll see if he gets a chance uh, to, to go somewhere in a camp. Yeah, he, he, he kind of came across as a guy playing with house money. He talked about having that psychology degree from Harvard in his back pocket, the experience of being a, a full-time starter for Penn State for an entire season, um, just what he got to experience the Power 5 level at the at the, at the at the program with the prestige of Penn State. Obviously, he's very proud of that. He, he In terms of trying to continue his career at the professional setting, um, he's working at center a little bit. He's basically trying to prove that he can be that interior swing presence for a team that a flexibility can, can do a lot to open up a practice squad role for, for an offensive lineman. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if, if Eric Wilson will spend the next three years trying to scrap his way onto an NFL roster, or if he's going to give it a shot now and then turn his attention elsewhere, but he was fun to talk with. And, and I know people weren't necessarily blown away by what he brought to the football field at left guard. Uh, but what, would the offensive line have looked like without him? Well, that's it's a slippery slope to go down, and we've already gone down that a bit. So uh, we'll find out. But I, you know, he was the guy that we enjoyed talking to a bit. And, and by the way, a quiet day for Jordan Stout. He did a lot of a, a lot of work out of the combine. He did a lot of work at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think pl- they've seen enough punting and kicking out of Stout, um, and, and he's going to basically wait to see if he's the first specialist off the board. And uh, anytime a specialist is drafted, period, uh, that, that's a, that's a legitimate legitimate achievement 
Yeah, I can't wait to see him. I guess the, the roof was probably not high enough for him to punt or something like that. So right, we'll see what happens right. with Scout. Should be one of the first two punters off the board. Um, and uh, obviously, he's been great to us. So we, we wish all these guys the best of luck. Uh, focusing on the next group, uh, Penn State's got a visit weekend. You called it a, a big visit weekend uh, earlier in the open of the show. It's probably, I wouldn't label it as a big visit weekend. You're just getting into the swing of things with camp. You're, you want to get your guys, uh, you know, focus on the team first and then bring some guys in. I think the next couple of weekends will probably be a little bit bigger and and we we before we get to this weekend you, you focus on april 8th and you say there's some big time guys that are that are probably coming up uh brandon ennis the number one wide receiver in the country uh from south florida santana fleming from south florida uh marcus stokes the quarterback from the jacksonville area so it seems like there's a theme here they're trying to get guys up uh that weekend of april 8th some florida guys to be comfortable around other florida guys uh you might see some names mark fletcher's running back uh, some other guys at american heritage could pop up that weekend but that's a combination or that's a connection that jay Wan cider has with the south florida express guys and you know it's one of those situations where you're probably trying, and these are all unofficial visits, by the way, probably trying to set the table to get these guys back for an official visit because that's that's where you're going to have to have that chance is, is getting them on campus multiple times, getting them around the official visit uh uh, the, the official visit atmosphere and things like that. And that's where you've had your most successful Florida guys. So looking ahead a couple of weeks, there's some big timers on the, on the uh, horizon for Penn State. There's been a bit of a mix with misses and hits and getting guys from Florida and, and what they did with the program. But we've seen J1 Sider make it happen where you get that 48 hour stretch with the official visit, have mom and dad on campus with you. And all of a sudden, within the next month, the guy's on board and, and he's heading to, to campus months later as a Nittany Lion. So I think you're right. You got the South Florida Express kind of collection here and so your your mind starts to wonder who's going to be part of that that is one of the premier seven on seven programs across the country and uh ennis of course a headliner here is the top wide receiver uh so we'll see what, com what comes there uh, you know marcus stokes he's an interesting name that 2023 quarterback class maybe that guy who is going to blow up a little bit here in the upcoming months he's already on his way toward that Penn State offer was part of that process um, because that 2023 quarterback class, some of the names that we were familiar with early, things are evolving there. Of course, Penn State is following up a two quarterback uh, class with the number one guy in the 2022 cycle. So uh, that is interesting to me. But this weekend, Sean, which to me, every, everything feels big in the spring weekends because after two years of no we spring didn't weekends. Have yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they, they've got a 2024 quarterback coming to town. There's a, a pretty significant group coming from Maryland. But Michael Van Buren is a guy who was on the target board early for Mike Yersich and company. What a remarkable story. This was not even St. Francis's starter last year. And then their, their, their number one went down and he had to go to De La Salle in California and play a national TV as his first start. He only threw four touchdown passes. No big deal. Penn State, Michigan offered. Um, he still did not go back to being a full-time starter. So right. this is a guy that, I, and I think I'm going to see him on Sunday at the Under Armour camp in, in, in Baltimore. Um, but uh, he showed incredible poise for a kid that was, you just kind of threw in there cold. Um, but he's coming up. It's a big group from St. Francis and you want to get those guys. I know Penn state, no luck at St. Francis. Of course, last year, Andre Roy and Jay Sean Barham were the big ones there, but you got to continue plugging away. There's as much talent there as there is. Then you got to try Edris Farouk, who's Jaleel Farouk's younger brother. Um, there's a couple other guys. Um, there's one on there that I'm just not even going to try. Um, check out the list later. I'm not even going to try and, uh, to, to pronounce it, but you got to get those guys back on campus as much as possible. Um, beyond that, Jalen McLean's a kid that I really like, a uh, cornerback out of uh, New Jersey, Seton Hall Prep. Um, he's going to be in this 
this weekend as a 2024 kid. There's some intriguing 2023s here. Kyle Parker coming up from Texas is a, is a receiver that they've offered. Uh, Colby Young, who we talked about on the show before from, from Lackawanna, um, he's going to be in this weekend. I know you talked to K, KP Price from Calvert Hall um, over the week. Really intriguing kid. I like this kid a lot. I don't know if he's a Penn State level kid, but he's a tall, rangy guy um, that's got corner experience, could be a safety, could be a linebacker at the next level. Um, not sure how he's going to fill out, but KP Price is, a, is an intriguing one when talking about potential offers in the 2023 class. He showed really good ball skills last year as a junior, 6'2", 175 right now. So you love that kind of frame and, and how you could maybe fill that out within your defensive secondary. Brent Pry liked him enough to extend an offer last month on behalf of Virginia Tech. A lot of ACC interest right now. He's going to get to Clemson and Boston College. Uh, those visits upcoming. But Penn State's first on the docket this Saturday. Um, he was on campus for a couple of prospect camps last year. So this is a guy that should have should be pretty well documented by the Penn State staff uh, in, in terms of some measurables and some testing numbers. We'll see if they want him back here for another camp in the summer. Not offered at this stage, as you mentioned. Um, but a little bit interesting here. He mentioned the dream school, and, and we hear that a lot. Uh, and, and when I asked what would an offer mean from Penn State, he said, well, this is my dream school. So clearly it would mean a lot. But then he threw in something that you know, certainly was a curveball to me. He said his mother was going to come to Penn State, but then she had him. So that didn't happen. So there is a real personal attachment here, it sounds like, where if Penn State were to pull the trigger, you know, haven't seen a lot of Big Ten movement in his, in his recruitment, but if they continue that trend and, and add another offer, it's one that is instantly going to turn his head. And, and KP Price is a guy that Penn State likes as a safety, but he does have some power five interest at cornerback as well. Yeah, and he's, I think he's listed at 6'2", 175. So it's a question, is is he 6'2"? Is he over 6'2"? Yeah. Or is he six foot? I mean, is it, it, we will see. And that will probably dictate some of the movement uh, where that position lands and, and things like that. But he's a good good player. Um, there's a couple of good players that are up this weekend. So um, I, I, I hesitate to call it a big weekend, um, but it's still every weekend that you can get, you got to maximize the opportunity and, and get some of these guys uh, back onto campus over and over again. And among the commits or signees who are in town, you've got the five-star offensive lineman, Alex Birchmeyer, back in town. I think anytime you have his feet on campus uh, doing some peer recruiting and just showing that loyalty to the Nittany Lions, that, that's a great sign. And he has repeatedly been that kind of a presence for the 2023 class. So he'll be in town. There was a, a midweek visitor that popped up and you had this reported out. And there's been a follow-up, a 24-7 sports story from Alan True on it. But Ohio defensive end Michael Kilbane, has an offer from the Nittany Lions and he made a midweek trip. There were some midweek visitors that popped up and that's what you expect during spring practice now. Second uh, trip this calendar year for Michael Kilbane. He's got, uh, you know, the the who's who in that region have have offered him except for Ohio State for the most part. Um, just kind of looking at the Michigan States, the West Virginians and things like that. Penn State probably, I would say, his biggest offer to date. Um, good, good player, 16 and a half sacks last year. Um, a guy that Penn State likes. I'm, I'm curious where he fits in the the, the microcosm of, or just the just w when you're breaking up the board. You've got those top guys, then you've got that next tier. He's probably in that next next tier, but where does he fit among those other pass rushers that that next tier? That's a that's the question I have coming out of this. Um, Liam Andrews, the uh, top uh, top offensive lineman in New England in the 2024 class. He stopped by this week as well. So they've, they've been getting some guys in week, uh, but most of these uh, have been focused on the weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, Kilbane's a guy that uh, that I keep going back to is, yeah, I could I could see him ending up in this class. It's just a matter of is Penn State ready to push and go all in on a, on a guy like that. 
Last recruiting note from me to get to here. Let's go back down to Florida. Trayon Webb at Trinity Christian Academy in Jacksonville. Um, that, of course, is the program where Ken Miller starred last year as a senior. He's coming in as a cornerback for Penn State this year. Uh, but Trayon Webb, uh, very talented uh, and prized running back prospect, has a top five. Uh, a bit of a breakdown on that up on lines 24-7 uh, right now. But Penn State, not surprisingly here, involved in, in that mix for Trayon Webb. And it talked about bringing in a quarterback after what you did last signing day. You brought in two top 24-7 running backs, Katron Allen, and oh, by the way, number one in the class, Nick Singleton. So J1 Slater has stacked classes, and he's done it with Florida guys. And here we go again. Yeah, Trayon Webb with the top five, Florida, Baylor, Penn State, Tennessee, South Carolina. Uh, I got four of those. I think that we, were, we were guessing them on one of the shows like last month or something like that. I got four of them. I did not see Baylor coming, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought Georgia might be in there. He was previously committed to Georgia, previously committed to Oklahoma. Neither of those teams on there. So we'll see. He's got visits lined up. He's going to check out Penn State once again. He came for a game in November. We'll check out Penn State once again on an official visit in June. We'll see where it goes from there. The running back board, um, you know, I I hesitate to call it interesting because I don't know that it's that interesting. You got Webb, you got Mark Fletcher, who we, we talked about the offer to London Montgomery is out there. So we're going to see what uh, what Penn State's intentions are here in, in the night. The that, in-state that, that offer. Yeah, yes, the in-state offers. Uh, but a lot to sort through, and certainly there'll be more to look at coming out of this weekend because of the visitors and, and the guys that, that are going to pop up on Saturday. Uh, spring practice number three on Saturday. We're expecting more practice access next week, uh, opportunity to speak with coaches and players. So we'll break all that down, more recruiting. We'll see if the transfer portal produces something for Penn State here in the coming weeks. Stay with us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. On behalf of Sean Fitz and our producer, Lance Glenn, we'll get to a five-star mailbag next episode. Have a great weekend. I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.